Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening in to another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. We're playing a game called What's More Ridiculous on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. Tonight's show, today's show, whenever you're listening, is going to get a little ridiculous. More of a fun format than we normally go for uh, on the show. But uh, there's some topics that I'm really curious in getting Curtis's take on. And I figured what better way to do it than to play a little game. The way it's going to work, I'm going to present two scenarios that some people might find ridiculous, and Curtis will tell me which scenario is indeed more ridiculous, meaning that it is less likely to come to fruition. I can see him looking at the show sheet. I can already see that he's a little bit confused, doesn't know where he's going to go with these answers. Uh, So let's play What's More Ridiculous. All right. First question, and this was the one, Curtis, that I said I'm super interested on what you're going to go with here, uh, specifically just in how pumped this this first scenario would make you. 
the Steelers drafting Najee Harris and he draws a top six running back ADP in redraft, or Justin Fields going to New England and the team moves up to get him. Uh, he goes to New England and drafters use a top six quarterback ADP on him in redraft. Which of those scenarios is more ridiculous? Oh, the Justin Fields scenario is more ridiculous here for me. We we know. I mean, there's a long history of of people getting very excited about running backs who are selected early. Uh, I'm going to assume we're we're saying the Steelers draft Najee Harris at 24 overall in yep. the first round, and then it's not some crazy thing where he slides to round two or three. Um, I mean, we saw it with Clyde Ed- Edwards-Hilaire last year. I mean, we saw uh, quite often he, him being selected in the top five, even the top three of uh, of redraft leagues as this uh, offseason wore on and draft season wore on. So I think people are, are ready. I think it would probably be a mistake, but that was not your question. Um, I think there there's plenty of uh, drafter sympathy and energy towards uh, over drafting rookie running backs. Whereas, I mean, geez, New England, we haven't seen, you know, outside of uh, uh, Tom Brady, um, we haven't seen the elite quarterback production. And even from Tom, he was more of a back end QB one there in the latter stages of that situation. And we had a lot more talent uh, there in New England with Edelman and Gronk and, and the like. I'm not sure that Kendrick Bourne um, and Nelson Aguilar inspire the same type of competence for me. Uh, yeah, that that's, that's my thought. And I don't feel any, uh, I'm not conflicted whatsoever, Dave. It is objectively <laughs> more ridiculous that uh, Justin Fields would have a top six QB ADP. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, it a hundred percent would be uh, Najee Harris, but part of the reason that I wanted to ask you about this is because I believe that you and I are the highest on Harris out of our uh, Rotovis team. I'm, I, I I might be wrong on that. Perhaps Travis is in there with Harris over T, and I don't quite remember. Uh, nope. But no, he's not. All right, so it's you and I, and we were both no, looking tra- for Travis him actually in our has startup, a... so yeah. Yeah, Travis actually has Travis Etienne as his number one rookie overall, even over Jamar Chase. I just checked. Uh, that's a little teaser for uh, the next edition of of the rookie guide. He actually flip flopped back. So yeah, you, you are correct. It's it's you and me on Najee here. All right. Well, I I will say you know Travis being named Travis that might help, but also there are a lot of things that you can point to supporting the fact that. Travis Etienne has a tremendous profile, which I think speaks about how excited I am about him and probably you are as well. But historically, people have had this thought of a running back ending up in Pittsburgh being this tremendous spot. Obviously, we saw what Le'Veon Bell can do. D'Angelo Williams had success. LeGarrette Blunt. I think even at one point, Stephen Ridley. Benny Snell last year felt like he had a couple of spots. I believe he had an 100 plus rushing yard game only two rb1 weeks james connor was an rb1 in 23 percent of games an rb2 in 38 percent of games where i'm going with this you bring in a really exciting back like Najee harris a big guy can catch looks explosive has some agility to him um there's reasons you could get excited would that top six adp be justified if you don't think so does a top 12 ADP at the running back position feel justified in redraft? Yeah, I do not think that the draft position would be would be justified. I think we talked about uh, in the episode earlier this week some of the the woes of the Pittsburgh offensive line, and you know they're going to need to invest here. And I actually think it's I know this is a popular 
mock draft spot for Najee Harris, but I actually think it's unlikely. I mean, I, I, the Steelers are an organization that I, I tend to think, you know, drafts uh, intelligently. Um, I don't know how much analytics go into it, but it's, it's just a, a team that seems to get it right more often than not. They're always finding value uh, later on in the draft. Uh, they've been investing, like James Conner was a later draft pick. You know, maybe this would be a team more interested in a, a Chuba Hubbard or even a Ramondre Stevenson kind of gives uh, Pittsburgh vibes, I think, as a, a bigger back. Um, so, so first off, I don't really think Harris will end up here. But if he does, unless the Steelers go offensive line in rounds two and three uh, or pull off a trade for an o- O-lineman or perhaps, you know, invest in, in free agency somehow uh, post-draft, I don't see why we'd be super excited here. I mean, we can't project a Pittsburgh running back for like 100 targets. So he's not going to get there on receiving uh, alone. It would have to really thread the needle into a high touchdown rate and enough uh, receiving work because I don't think the yards per carry will be there if they don't fix the problems up front. Yeah, you know, and I think that projecting players and where they're going to go in the draft. And this is something I admittedly don't spend a great deal of time on, but there's certain situations where you can, you can kind of spin the thought process that people are assigning the organization the opposite way, right? So I've heard people saying that maybe this team is looking to get back a, a player that's like Le'Veon Bell, but to which I would say, well, we've seen uh, other backs succeed, which is why people have been so excited for fantasy purposes. So maybe that speaks to the Steelers into leading them down this path of saying, hey, like running backs are largely replaceable in our organization. We don't need to go for the top running back in the class. We can wait a couple of rounds. Uh, so it will be interesting to see where he falls out. But I can imagine the excitement uh, really coming to fruition for Harris there. Let's move along, though. I want you to assume PPR points for this question. What's more ridiculous, the idea that Cooper Cup finishes inside the top 12 in 2021 or the idea that Tyreek Hill finishes outside of the top 12 um, in PPR points per game in 2021? As uh, some context, Cup did so in 2019. He was inside the top 12, was the wide receiver 30 last year. Hill has been in the top 12 four straight years and finished 21 in points per game as a rookie. my pick for the overall wide receiver one this year um so <laughs> so that's a little bit of a teaser on the, the uh the direction that i'm going here uh, assuming um good health uh and i hope that we see that for both of these players i think it's more absurd uh in comparison of these two takes that cooper cup would finish inside the top 12 um but but i actually do think you know both of these players could do that and it would not shock me to see cooper cup back there with better quarterback play and and uh, some health but Tyreek Hill, I mean, he's in an absolutely just awesome situation entering the prime of his career with a quarterback uh, who has not even achieved his prime. Still got Kelsey manning the middle of the field, soaking up the attention from the safeties. Uh, I, I just I can't say enough about how high I am on Tyreek Hill really for the next three seasons. Uh, a threat to lead, lead the league in, in receiving touchdowns every single year until he can't run anymore. Um, yeah, so, uh, cup outside the top 12, I, I, I think is the, the greater likelihood here. Yeah. So the range of outcomes tool has Tyree kill tied with Diggs um, as it's, uh, favorite to be the wide receiver one in 2021 Cooper cup 
and you could make the argument uh, should finish a little bit higher given the change at quarterback finishes closer to right on that wide receiver to uh, territory coming in around wide receiver 24 to 26, depending on which way I sort it. I think that leads me to believe that there's more of an uphill battle for Cup to get into that wide receiver one range uh, than the likelihood of Hill falling out of it, considering the fact that there's the same situation we've seen for a number of years there. There isn't this change. There isn't this adjustment. The guy has just been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I I don't think I really need to say more than that, Um, but it is interesting, and I don't like you said, I wouldn't be super surprised if we saw Cup get his way back in there. But history does kind of show us that it's more likely that Hill remains in there. All right. I, I, I cannot get away, Curtis, from talking about the Steelers wide receiver group. It's just such an interesting group to me. Uh, one of my favorite topics here. So what's more ridiculous? The Steelers don't have a wide receiver finish in the top 24. Last year, they had two of them. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool uh, was 34. Juju was 22. Deontay Johnson, 21. So what's more ridiculous? The Steelers don't have a wide receiver finish in the top 24. Or the Jaguars, under Urban Meyer with Trevor Lawrence, have three top 36 wide receivers. Uh, the, the latter there is way more ridiculous for me. Um, I'm not big on the Jaguars having a lot of passing attempts. I think Urban will uh, spread that ball out. He's going to have a balanced attack. Uh, he's shown us that over the course of time. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Uh, He wants the defense to guard every player uh, on the field and account for every player on the field. So um, I don't think that three receivers will have enough volume to do that um, and also don't think that the team will throw enough passing touchdowns. Uh, to do that. The Steelers have also showed us that it's the it's the lock of all locks that they're going to have a top 24, probably two top 24 uh, in, in more seasons than not over the back half of Ben Roethlisberger's career as they've flipped into a pass happy team versus a rush heavy team. Um, so yeah, this one's not this is uh, the least close. This is even less close than the Najee top six Justin Fields top six for me. Uh, yeah, that's that's my take here. All right. Well, since I I realized as I started to ask it that I I could have made this question a lot better, I'm going to present to you why it could be more ridiculous for the Steelers to get three wide receivers or to have. Okay, why? Why? um, I guess I would have to say why it's possible that they don't have a wide receiver finish in the top 24. Consider this last year, Juju at 22 and Johnson at 21 were already on the cusp. We have seen a declining Ben Roethlisberger. We're seeing a lot of metrics related to adjusted yards per attempt, um, a different different efficiency metrics. We're seeing those decline. So Big Ben could be on the decline. Then the team goes ahead. They grab Najee Harris with the 24th overall pick, change their identity, go to a ground and pound where they're basically making him 
their feature player. It turns out Claypool is not as explosive as we thought. That week four game, I think it was, was a bit of a fluke. Uh, doesn't get as much involvement. James Washington carries through what he did in the playoffs. They start to use him. We get to the ball spread around more. And before we know it, we are looking at none of these guys uh, as top 24 players. Then you have Trevor Lawrence, one of the best quarterback prospects of all time, come in with Urban Meyer, who takes some of that college philosophy, brings things that the NFL has never seen before to Jacksonville. LaVisca Chenault gets used like an absolute champion. He's scoring points as a running back and a wide receiver, propels him into the top 36, opens up the field for Marvin Jones to just be a downfield stretcher. And then you've got Keelan Cole, you know, covering all of the rest of the field. And before we know it, the Jacksonville Jaguars become the new Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm impressed, man. Like you definitely spent some time in the lab concocting that beautiful, like thread the needle uh, one time uh, situation where it could happen. So, okay. Um, I'll assign. I don't know. We sim the season a hundred times. I'll give you a 5% chance that that happens. I mean, I mean, I think it's, it could, it could happen. It, it really could. Um, I think the keys to having it happen would be um, Ben Roethlisberger playing the whole season because I don't think a backup quarterback in Pittsburgh would keep, you know, three plus four plus receivers involved. Um, as long as Ben is there spreading the ball and dealing, um, maybe, you know, maybe we see four top 36 and no top 24. Uh, maybe that would be the situation where that would happen. Um, I, I feel pretty confident that the Jags offense is not going to support this type of offensive output from wide receiver. Not because I don't think the offense will be good. Not because I don't think this is a good system. Um, this is just this would not be consistent with what we saw from wide receivers and Urban Meyer offenses uh, for the for his entire really like post Bowling Green career uh, when he was in Power Five systems in Florida and Ohio State. We don't see de- uh, depth uh, to the wide receiver production. So uh, I-, I like your argument. I think mine's more rational. Oh, completely. I would, though, if I really wanted to dig in on this, I would say that, you know, Urban Meyer's career, he had Tim Tebow playing for him for a while. So Tim Tebow, you're not going to be using to support a lot of different players. But I'm going to let this hypothetical go because I do think it's absolutely ridiculous. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ranking J.K. Dobbins over DeAndre Swift in Dynasty or, or ranking Jamar Chase over Calvin Ridley in Dynasty, which of those is more ridiculous? Man, I don't, I don't really think either one is is very uh, ridiculous. I'm, I might have to figure this yep. one out um, live on air here. Um, so, okay, so J.K. Dobbins, you know, I think the key for him really is going to be uh, Gus Edwards going away, probably via an injury because the team seems to like him. They're going to keep him involved. So, a Gus Edwards injury actually makes J.K. Dobbins basically a lighter version of Nick Chubb. Uh, you know, uh, potential to lead the league in rushing. Uh, we don't think he'll get a lot of receiving work. O- okay. Um, you know, Detroit, um, I think DeAndre Swift is in a good spot here, but they could also just be hot trash in Detroit this year. Like that, I actually think that's my favorite take on the Detroit Lions offense is that you just don't really want any part of it. Um, Chase over Ridley and Dynasty is really interesting. You know, we talked about this um, in our our last episode this week, Dave, around 
when you want to get out on a player. When is peak value versus peak production? Um, Calvin Ridley is in a spot where, you know, Atlanta is, they are very much in the hunt for adding Kyle Pitts uh, as another playmaker in their offense. Um, Julio Jones looks like, I mean, these all-time level players tend to produce later into their careers. Julio Jones, I would not bet against him being, uh, you know, a, a high level producer for two to three more seasons. So perhaps we've seen peak Calvin Ridley, even if the situation changes there too much uh, in Atlanta while Chase doing literally anything positive on the field, will shoot him up to top 12 dynasty status uh, overall, because we know people want to buy that production before it occurs from a dynasty perspective. So man, this is, this is really, really tough. I, I would say it's more ridiculous to, put Chase over Ridley than Dobbins over Swift just because of the Delta in assumed fantasy production for 2021. That's the best tiebreaker I have. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I actually, um, though I'm not really sold on J.K. Dobbins uh, at all in his current situation, I think that the point that you raise about the amount of questions that there are and how bad Detroit could be, it's hard to ignore. Um and that also, I think that some of like the thought process that people would have in really bolstering up their opinion on Swift this year assumes that he just runs away with all of the work. Now, Jamal Williams isn't the greatest back in the league, but we did see a uh, conference foe, uh, Green Bay, insert him in at different times when he was playing with Aaron Jones, who's a tremendous running back. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that they use Jamal Williams on maybe 30 plus percent of running back opportunities, which keeps Swift at bay a little bit. And it's a poor offense. The thing that you can say for J.K. Dobbins is even though he's not going to get this tremendous workload, it's still a team that's going to run the ball a lot and is likely a much better team than Detroit. So I actually wasn't expecting when I first drafted this question, I was almost thinking this is another chance for me to dig in on my dislike of J.K. Dobbins this year. Uh, but that actually feels um, like I can't say that ranking him over DeAndre Swift would be that ridiculous. So I actually would lean towards going with Chase, a player that we don't know that much about yet, uh, where he could land over Calvin Ridley. But like you said, I don't think either is more ridiculous. So, uh, bringing me to the next one, Daniel Jones being this year's Josh Allen or Corey Davis being this year's Stefan Diggs. Oh man, we're, we're in it now, Dave. <laughs> we are in it now. You gave me all the juicy stuff at the beginning. This was really, you, you buried the lead. This was the question that you really wanted to get to today, right? <laughs> It may have been. It may have been. Uh, actually, oh it's like all goodness. all of the back uh, three of these I, I enjoy. I mean, the ones at the top were a little bit easier. Yeah. Okay. Um, whew. Okay. Corey. Okay. Corey Davis. I, I think my belief here is that he benefited from AJ Brown breaking out, Derrick Henry really being the offense. And teams really not being able to pay as much attention to him. I, I think it was a, a perfect alignment um, of several different variables for him to have the season that he had last year. He's going uh, very much so to a worse situation. Even if New York uh, hits the jackpot on the the rookie quarterback that they selected to. I know Zach Wilson is the, uh, the favorite in the clubhouse at this point. But whether it's Justin Fields or somebody else, whoever they go with, 
It's going to be a rookie learning on the job for a team that doesn't have a rushing attack to hold off, you know, the blitz or give the the defense anything else to think about. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm not really feeling good about this situation. I think Corey Davis fits a lot more the narrative of free agent wide receivers uh, moving to new teams uh, being fades. Uh, That is how I view Corey Davis this year. So by default, um, I'm going to say Corey Davis being this year's Stefan Diggs, you know, being number one overall in expected points for wide receiver. We'll even say top six in expected points for wide receiver. I just don't see it within the range of outcomes. I don't know what our tools say. I bet they don't say top six within the range of outcomes. And uh, Daniel Jones, I mean, he has he should have better weapons this year. He's got Saquon Barkley coming back. He's got Kenny G, uh, Babytron, Kenny Galladay in the offense now. Uh, he's in, you know, one more year into the Jason Garrett. Joe, I can't even say with a straight face. Um, the Jason Garrett, Joe Judge offense in New York. Um, but I, but I do think uh, I do I, I do think it's it's more likely that DJ takes that step forward. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent the the right answer. I mean, it basically, and I almost wanted to include this. Um, because I think it highlights a simple thought process that you can use when you have to choose between two players. So in this position, you have one player moving into a worse situation where he doesn't have a lot of control. Corey Davis doesn't have control over the fact that he's got a head coach that is not that great, that he's going to be playing in a very, uh, I would say, poorly run offense. And it's likely going to be with either a very bad quarterback uh, but they're pro- like the odds of them having a good quarterback aren't that great. Uh, you know what I mean? So, or it, it, uh, let me say it like this. It's either going to be somebody that proves to be a very bad quarterback or a decent quarterback that's young, or maybe a very good quarterback, but still in their first year. Those don't line up to speak to success. Now, Daniel Jones, a lot of his situation, he has control over. Like you said, the weapons have gotten better. So his his situation this year is one that's stepping forward. Corey Davis is, is likely stepping back. Then on top of that, also, I think for Daniel Jones to kind of be labeled as this year's Josh Allen, the ceiling might not be as high in comparison to the step that he has to take forward, uh, which maybe people could agree with. But I think, you know, maybe he somehow manages to get some rushing touchdowns that boosts his points per game a little bit. He can finish, you know, ahead of some quarterbacks that maybe would take a step back based upon variance from last year. So uh, I think that we're in lockstep there. I love this next question, <laughs> although um well, maybe it's an obvious answer, seeing as Todd Gurley is currently not on a roster. What's more ridiculous, the idea of Todd Gurley being an RB2 in 2021, uh, or the idea of David Johnson being an RB1 playing in that three-headed monster in Houston? I must say, last year, he finished at 15.1 points per game and was the RB17. It looks like you're opening a delicious drink over there, but uh, what's more ridiculous here? I think that the mic picked up me popping that cork because this question literally is driving me to drink, Dave. I mean, I can't, (laughs) I don't know what kind of like hellish nightmare you had where you decided that we need to debate uh, the busted carcasses of Todd Gurley and David Johnson on this fantastic show. But here we are. Um, Yeah, I I think um, you kind of, you kind of gave me an easy out on this. Todd Gurley not being on a team uh, and ending up as an RB2 when, you know, it just makes so much more sense to invest in 
you know, a, uh, a player coming off a first contract that maybe wasn't renewed by his team or, or even a rookie uh, UFA than giving Todd Gurley. I mean, he just didn't, what did he show last year that would justify a team giving him material uh, backfield touch share? Uh, whereas David Johnson, I mean, he showed that, you know, he could handle a little bit of volume in spots last year. Um, and I, I'm not really intimidated by what they added. Mark Ingram couldn't earn touches uh, away from from Gus Edwards and was clearly passed by J.K. Dobbins last year. I mean, he was healthy scratched how many times, Mark Ingram? And Philip Lindsay has looked, I mean, worse and worse and worse every year uh, that he's been in the league uh, by pretty much every measure possible. I mean, he was a big hit for Rotoviz back in the day because of uh, things like workhorse score and us betting on his profile, not being invited to the uh, invited to the combine, and then him turning into something. That's great. Philip Lindsay has really overperformed expectations based off of how we entered the NFL, uh, but the sun has set on his effectiveness as a player. So Todd Gurley <laughs> being an RB two way more ridiculous than David Johnson being an RB one. I'm now taking a swig. Okay. So I've been trying now this entire show to come up with a great way to spin it that I could possibly be Todd Gurley. This is the one attempt I'm going to make. Um, which, which backfield in the NFL do you think is the best backfield for a running back to prosper in fantasy in, in 2021? I mean, that, that's a pretty complicated question um, because you could go the route of a team that force feeds their running back the ball um, yep. or you could go to a spot where maybe they didn't... There, there's You can see how the efficiency would occur, but the efficiency didn't occur last year. So, I mean, I think a player who could land maybe in Kansas City and score a lot of rushing touchdowns, that's a pretty solid spot and Gurley would be a discount option uh, to complement... Clyde Edwards, Elaire. I think you could argue that Seattle's a great spot for running back based off of how they treat their backs. Um, we know he's not going to land there. San Francisco, kind of interesting. Um, I don't, what do you have in mind there, Dave? Because I don't think there's a clear for for me at least for a player of Gurley's profile and talents at this point. I'm not sure uh, I know where you're going with this one. Well, I was just going to make the case that, and I, I actually think it would still be even more ridiculous because the hypotheticals here or the things that have to work out are greater. But I was thinking if I could make an argument like he ends up, you know, something happens to Edwards Alaire, something happens with the other backs on the team. They need to sign Gurley off the street. He comes in, he has it just enough that this team can get him in scoring position. He manages to somehow get like two goal line rushing touchdowns a game, maybe, you know, three, three receiving targets and it manages to uh, propel him up to that RB2 season because a couple of splash weeks in the right spot could maybe do it. Still, though, I think that it's actually more ridiculous the idea of Todd Gurley being an RB2 versus the idea of David Johnson being an RB1. Yeah, and to be fair, RB2 is a pretty low bar to clear. Like, saying that a player was an RB2 is like saying a player was a wide receiver four, basically. Um, it's just, you know, it just gets so flat after the top. So, yeah, I mean, maybe I think it takes a David Johnson injury to actually make this come true, even if Todd Gurley signs. So um, I'm sure of one yeah. thing, Dave, yep. uh, you've got more ridiculous questions, but it's ridiculous. We spent this much time on Todd Gurley and David Johnson in the year 2021. 
Uh, yeah, I know. All right. And actually, this episode has gone much longer than I thought because some of these seems like open and shut cases, but it's fun to explore them. So the final question, Curtis, what's more ridiculous? Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both finishing inside the top 18. Last year, Hunt was 23. Chubb was running back nine. This is points per game. Or James Robinson in that potent Urban Meyer offense I talked about before finishing inside the top six yet again. Okay, I'm going to go the opposite direction here. I think I, I actually do see. Now, I've divested from some of my James Robinson exposure in Dynasty. I had him a lot of places. Added him for free on the waiver wire many, many places last year. And I've enjoyed reaping those profits You know, to play both sides. I got some production last year. Got some titles last year. Let's move on just in case they add somebody uh, or Meyer you know, sees that backfield differently. However... Um, I do think it's a good spot for a back to be very productive. And however, Cleveland, once Nick Chubb returned fully healthy at the end of the season in 2020, we just did not see Kareem Hunt get that same level of opportunity nor that same level or provide that same level of efficiency or production that he did when he filled in. Now, Kareem Hunt, um, he was one of my ultimate running backs uh and to draft for 2020 he was one of my favorite targets in best ball leagues and the season played out exactly the way we needed it to for him to provide the type of fantasy utility we were looking for there um but it kind of worked out for for every for everyone i mean the people who invested invested in nick chubb got the production down the stretch i think assuming both players are healthy it is it is going to be pretty improbable um that the team uh sneaks them both into the top 18 especially with how little they throw uh, to each one of them. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to say that's more ridiculous to get two Cleveland backs inside the top 18 and less ridiculous that James Robinson is a top six uh, running back producer in 2021. Yeah, I mean, I actually agree with you there. And I think it comes down to, as with many things that you'd be looking at in fantasy football, you have to make more assumptions and make more stretches for Cleveland to get both of these backs into the top 18. Whereas for James Robinson, really, you just need Jacksonville to not draft a running back, which, uh, you know, isn't a guarantee that they feel that they need to address that. There isn't a reason. You know, we saw uh, Urban reunite with Carlos Hyde. Um, Maybe that takes off some of the pressure there. And then really, you just need James Robinson to be able to keep up what he did last year, which maybe he's better than people think. So I'm not saying that that really feels like a lock, but um, for me, there is a, there's probably more scenarios where that happens. Not that I dislike Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb, but I I feel like that's going to be more rare of a thing to see two running backs going inside the top 18 than an undrafted free agent running back um, managing to string t- together two solid seasons. Yeah, you added a lot of beautiful layers of analysis and breakdown to that take. I mean, we agreed on so many of these. I think we we may have agreed on all of them, but I did enjoy the counter arguments you made just from a devil's advocate standpoint, in particular, the Steelers versus Jaguars uh, wide receiver scenario. Um, that was probably my favorite of, <laughs> of you really kind of uh, through gritted teeth trying to make a case for the other side. Uh, but this, this was an inventive episode. I think the listeners are going to really uh, enjoy us playing radio here a little bit, being a little bit more raw. Certainly, we spent a lot of time breaking down you know, the great data that we have in our tools over at rotaviz.com. I mean, we, we're providing a lot of value a lot of evidence-based um, research, analysis, and practical application. Um, uh, you know, Dave, I think you and Blair just do such a, a great job of laying out that research, 
Sean and I uh, focusing a little bit more on the practical application piece and the rest of the team really, you know, kind of help building out those cases that will make for uh, structural based drafting or certain player takes. And so an episode like this is a fun departure for us because it's a little bit less, a uh, little bit less scripted. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what I was going for, you know, and it's fun too, because I think sometimes when you're kind of going off of the cuff or you're coming up with ridiculous things, it helps you actually ground yourself in what does seem reasonable. Having said that, I actually may mm-hmm. have talked myself out of Pittsburgh this year and into Jacksonville just a little bit, which is probably not the place to be. <laughs> I will okay. close on the fact that I don't want anybody to actually walk away from this episode feeling good about the Jaguars wide receiver core in, you know, in comparison to Pittsburgh, no matter how good a job I may have done of spinning that yarn. Um, and if this is your first time listening to Rotoviz Radio, this is probably not an introduction to how we normally do things, which I think Curtis hit upon. But I have spoken my piece. Curtis, you have any closing thoughts on this Friday? I just want to point people back to, you know, using that call in number, Dave. I'm sure you'll leave it here uh, in the yep. sign off. We love to hear from you guys and gals. I mean, we, we know, I mean, thousands of people are listening to every episode uh, and, you know, interacting with us on Twitter, which is a great place to do it. But there's something special. There's something special in 2021 about the interaction of hearing your voice as a caller on the show. I really feel, I mean, I've really enjoyed that. It makes me feel connected to the community. So please uh, drop those questions for, for Dave uh, or myself. They can be redraft, best ball, dynasty. They can just be about, you know, something funny that happened in your league. You want to tell a story. If it's interesting enough, we'll play it on the show. Um, this is your chance to get involved and you can get some free stuff too. So why don't you tell them about that, Dave? Yeah, absolutely. And then just to kind of quickly piggyback off of that, if you have a question on a tool or something like that, or, you know, maybe some type of stat driven thing that you're curious about that you think I might be able to impart some knowledge on, feel free to shoot that along. So 978-615-9214, that will be in the show notes. Please leave us a question, a comment, whatever you like. That does it for this week. As always, appreciate you listening and we will be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at rotovizffshow at gmail.com. Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener-only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.